Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday from inside the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I'm D.P. Sidhu. Joining me, John Harris, Drew Doherty. Hey, guys. How's it going today? It's good, man. I love this news coming out I know. about schedule. <laughs> Finally. Gives us something taste, to talk about. Just a taste. taste of the schedule. We should preface that, first of all. Yeah. Um, let's get... Let's get to it because I think this is something that we look forward to every year, the schedule release. But then, of course, the NFL never releases the entire schedule Mm -hmm. at once. They like to give you bits and pieces. So today, the preseason schedule was announced. And when I say schedule, I mean that very loosely because it's just the teams and the places, no dates or times. Yeah, but you could probably extrapolate the days. Yeah, Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I mean. It's going to be Saturdays. And then the last game of Thursday. For the most part, yeah. I mean, the first game we've played, but the first game, we know the last one is definitely on a Thursday. That's always the That's case. That's always a Thursday. The but first game could we be. We played at Charlotte on a Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. Last year we played at Kansas City on a Thursday. Yes. And then we came home from the Greenbrier, so we flew to Kansas City and then flew home, which I know was glorious for you, DP. I know that was a day you were counting I was so down. happy to get out of West Virginia. <laughs> so no happy. offense to West Virginia. I've Virginians. never seen anybody so happy to get to <laughs> Kansas City in my entire life. Kansas City is like the big city after being in, uh, being in West Virginia for that long. Yeah. So from that perspective, that was a Wednesday. You guys were excited too, Johnny. Don't even lie. You were high-fiving everybody getting on the plane. The first year I everybody. was. The first year everybody. I was. We, I've been there for three and a half weeks the first year. <laughs> last year I was like, you know, two weeks. I thought it was the perfect time. Yeah. I thought it was the it was perfect time. It wasn't bad last but year. But I'm telling you, had I stayed another couple days in West Virginia in the bro house, it would have been bad news. I would have I'd have come back with like <laughs> something broken, something torn, something something on my body would have died because we yeah, would have played spike ball. We were playing spike ball or football in the backyard because where they kids are so young. The video guys are so oh young. Oh my god! They play spike ball all day long. Johnny, we went to dinner one night at a really nice steak place at the Greenbrier. We, we had a whole evening oh, plan. Yeah. We were going to play. Uh, you were going to do blackjack. I was mm-hmm. going to play craps. All of us were going to have dinner, and you did not even make it to the appetizer course. I didn't even get he to the main course. I just i i took off. I had played like. We'd play like two and a half hours of spike ball after I had run like three and a half, four miles in West Virginia, which is up and down hills. You know that. And so I got done with the run, and they're like, don't don't change, don't shower. We're going to play spike ball. And then we did, and we played for like two and a half hours. And I literally was – I was so – Need to hydrate. Drenched. Yeah. I, I swear to you, I lost 10 pounds of just water weight from the time I started my run till then. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And so I just – I was out of gas. I was at dinner. I was like, I gotta go. We needed an IV for you. And you know, yeah. you know, I, that was our last dinner at Jerry West Steakhouse, which is very disappointing. He was there then. Um, I know, and and I had I had to bail because that was, that's one of my favorites. Drew and I talked about that on our in the lab podcast about what we would make for our, what we would have for our master's dinner, and we kept coming back to the steakhouse <laughs> concept, and I forgot about that. But but yeah, we played spike ball that. forever. So from that perspective, uh, I don't know that uh, we'll be playing spike ball in the Houston Heat. So. I'm, I'm yeah, I think you'd, that'd be a little be bit more right. dehydrating for you, Johnny. Yeah, I, I would kind of worry about heads, they, they play. Oh, I don't they, know don't. If they do it during. They the play heat, most but, of the yeah. off season. I think they, they're, during, during they're the pretty. Stuff. They're pretty intense too. I mean, it's a quiet intensity for for uh, Jay and for Jesse, but Suds. Whoa. That dude's like me. <laughs> He's like me. He was my teammate, man. It was, it was. We we had fun. We for those that fun. don't know, Suds is Tyler Sudarth. He's one of the uh, the young videographers for the team. Yeah. Picture the villain from Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid movie, you know, Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence, That's yeah, Billy Zopka. Like. <laughs> Billy Zopka. That's he what still he, yeah. needs to be 
he needs to be Johnny Lawrence for Halloween. But but so with with all the video true. talent because he he produces and yeah. shoots yeah, these yeah, amazing fifty threes, and I know we get a lot of uh, people on Twitter saying they love what the video department's doing. So he he does do that. But then yeah, he's got this. He uh, sweeps the leg when it comes to videos. I mean, yeah, he really does. Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. does that. There's no question. He's a pretty good basketball player too. So it's it's fun hanging with those guys, Jay McDevitt and Jesse Clark, the two others that. I, I imagine we had, we had a good time at the bro house, but we stayed another couple of days. I, I might have died. No, no bro house this year. Died. Johnny's going to yep. make it. We're back in no Houston for training camp. I'm super excited. And that means our preseason schedule will be here or departing from here. So let's get into it. Week one at Green Bay. And you can cover. You can probably yes. weather is nice. I approve. You can all but count on the Texans probably practicing against the Packers the few days leading up to it. So I, I'm guessing Dude, that that's. I'm, it's almost like Bill O'Brien says, "Where can we go where these guys are just cut off from any distractions Listen. or anything going on?" Appleton, Wisconsin. Let's go. Hey, hold on. I am as excited about this as I've ever been. My parents. Your live parents are still like there. An hour north. So That's I'm right. going to get to see them for the first time in a couple of years. And it's the Packers. So we're going to play in Lambeau. We're going to practice on – well, we're going to practice at the scene of the crime. My last time ever on, a, on the Green Bay Packers practice field was the state pump pass and kick competition. <laughs> and I was destined to go to the Nationals. But the reason it was on the practice field was because it was 1982 and it was the player strike. Mm. So we had to move it to the practice field, mm. and I was I I, I was going to kill I I you always did punt pass you went in that order punt pass kick, and I punted and I killed it, I punted like the best punt I've ever I was like I'm going to win this thing because I knew with my throw just my punt and my throw would be enough, and I threw a duck and I oh. lost oh, no. and I just was in tears all the way home How it was ridiculous you, I was eleven. It was bad. It was bad. So I'm returning to the scene of the crime. I feel like they so should let time, to get you do this again. I know. I, in fact, <laughs> erase I think, history. I think we need to do that to erase history. Do Let's punt, do pass, it. and kick. And but just to be back in, we're playing Lambo. We're uh, going to be up there for a few days. I would guess because the other road game, I would imagine we're going to go practice against them. That's a short trip. Yeah. So yeah, let's get through. We should probably get through. Right. Get through that. Then we'll talk about it. Okay, all. okay Drew. So yeah, first week at Green Bay. Drew wants to get through the rest of this preseason well, I feel schedule. Like the people like, listening are like, "What are these idiots going to say with the actual schedule?" Well, is? I feel like it's it's been out for a few hours, so yeah. people sort of yeah, know. Yeah. But what they want to hear is Johnny's stories about his punt pass and kick competition. <laughs> well, who does? That's doesn't? what they're really tuning in for. Texans All Access. All right, but uh, to Drew's point, week two, home versus Detroit. Week three at Dallas, interesting. Yeah. Week four home versus the L.A. Rams. All right, so at Green Bay, I'm interested to see the J.J. Watt fans. Do you think they come out? Because he wasn't <sighs> yes, playing the last time yes, the Texans were at Green Bay. You know, so it's interesting. I thought about that when J.J. was hurt. I remember going to Green Bay that year, and I was like. It would have been his my, first time playing there. Well, and it would have been his last time more than likely playing there because if he were to play, he would have to play in eight years after well, 2016. Johnny. To, to play in Lambeau but Field again. But let's not assume that he's going to be done playing in eight, eight years after the fact. If he's playing in 2024, <laughs> I will buy you I will buy you a beach house. <laughs> I love J.J. Watt, and I hope I'm going to start picking him out. But that would be 14 years. It's one of I don't those, know. One of the saddest times I've ever been in the cafeteria here at work was a few days after that game. I saw him, and it wasn't it wasn't lunchtime. It was like kind of a – I was getting ice or something, so it was like a non-busy time. He was one of the only people in there, and I was like, oh, man, Lambeau Field was, was pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, I would have liked to have played there. That's, you could tell he, was, yeah. he That's wanted a hard to have played it. And understandably so. I mean, he grew up big-time Reggie White, big-time Packers mm-hmm. fan. 
he's there's going to be a lot of Watt jerseys there when he comes back. It's going to be a, a there'll be a lot of red jerseys. Oh too. yeah, a, a red, lot of red ninety nines. Well, he's oh, he's yeah, giving the commencement speak at yeah. Wisconsin, so uh, you know he'll be back up there a few. I know it's yeah. not the same preseason versus regular season, but it will be nice to go up to Wisconsin. I'm glad for him. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that Dean Smith, you know, uh, a North Carolina basketball coach, used to do is when he had when he had a senior on his team, he would try and schedule a road trip against the team as close to that guy's home as possible. Like if a guy was from the state of Washington, he would schedule a road game that his senior year against you know uh, against University of Washington. Uh, you know, if a guy's from California, he might schedule one against UCLA. You know, he would try and schedule one so that that player would get sort of a home game. This is sort of like what the Texans are doing. They're sort of saying, hey, J.J., I mean, they're not going to play them for another what, 20, another five years. Boy, I'd love to see J.J. play another five years so he could play a regular season game in Lambeau. But the fact that he gets to go up there and play in Lambeau in front of those fans, those fans that will love him, I mean, that, that's going to be – that'll be a really cool – obviously the, the practices um, – Fingers crossed that does happen. Yeah, that we do get the practices. My guess would be that's the case, but I hope that's the case. Be able to spend some extra days up in Green Bay, which and see look, Aaron Rodgers. Green in practice Bay because is better we've... than Greenbrier. Okay, for you, DP. Okay, just good to for know. You. Good to know. I'd be, I'd be, it would be exciting to see Aaron Rodgers in practice. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers versus JJ Watt in defense. I think those joint practices are a lot of fun because you actually get to see quite a bit during the practice week, even probably more so than in the game. Because they get a lot of work in. All right, week two, home versus Detroit. And you'll probably practice against them, too. You think? Oh. I would think so. Because well, we he's, usually... already, he's already said you're going to practice. The, the fans here, Houston Texans fans, will get to see the Texans practice against the team. And it's usually early in, yeah. in training camp. Because towards be, the end of, end of yeah. the camp, you know, they, they pretty much have their roster set. Um, Matt Patricia up there, obviously, Matt Stafford. I like that we've got these uh, big-name quarterbacks in preseason. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this defense go against them. And then week three at Dallas – uh, a short trip, as it usually is. Usually it's in week four. I think we've been playing Dallas in week four every year except for 2014, where we did not play them in the preseason. Play we played them in the regular season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I like I like that road trip. I like going to Dallas. Yeah. I mean, when you play, play them in week four, like last year we played them in week four, it, then we didn't play them during – we did play them during the season. We play in week four. It's two different teams, basically. Uh, so it, you don't have to worry about It's a completely different team. When you, when you play a team in week season. three, and they turn around and play, you know, play them in week five, like we played was week five. Yeah, I think it was week five. Week five, we played them. There's some crossover. It's like when we played New England. We played New England in week two in 2017, turn around and played them in week three. Yeah. That's a little too close for comfort. So um, at least not playing Dallas. I like, I like seeing them in week three because I would imagine – We'll see some of the stars, but the whole rules of preseason have changed, if you will. I mean, they're just not—they're not the same. I mean, because what if you practice at? Well, I guess I don't know if we would practice at Dallas since we're already practicing. I don't know if we'd practice twice on the road. Well, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, my guess—my guess is we'll practice at Dallas or we'll practice at Green Bay. Either way, it's good for us. Well, good for me, because if it's at Green Bay, it's gonna be nice and cool. We'll be at you know, be where my family is. If it's in Dallas. Short trek, you know. Short trip, and that practice yeah. facility was was it's gorgeous awesome. when we were there. That, I want to eat in that cafeteria. Awesome. I'd like to practice at both, but um, my guess is we'll practice at one of them. Is my guess, but playing Dallas in week three, I think, will be pretty interesting. But the rules of preseason are different. It's not as if you're going to see the starter for you know two quarters like you used to. It used to be kind of a here's what you do: first game, you starters play a couple series; second game, they play like a quarter and some; then third game, they would play like two and a half quarters; and then the fourth game, you didn't see them. That's all changed. That's completely changed. I mean, if a team doesn't want to play its starters at all, like last year the Rams didn't play a starter one time. Their big guys, Gurley, Goff, um, 
Donald didn't play one time in the preseason. Not once. When we went out to see him, we saw Sue. Uh, they had Marcus Peters. Uh, I think Tlaib played a little bit, maybe. That was it. That were the only starters we saw from the Rams, and we played them in week three. Yeah. So That's the rules right. have, the rules have certainly, certainly changed for sure. And I think we saw a little bit of Deshaun because he was coming off the injury, so they wanted to get him some real-time game action. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens this preseason. And then, of course, week four, home against the L.A. Rams. I'm a bit disappointed because the L.A. Rams are hosting a preseason game in Hawaii, which I feel like That's we missed awesome. the boat on that. I mean, Bill O'Brien would have hated that you're going all the way to Hawaii for a preseason game. You're going to see them keep creeping back into Honolulu. I bet you parts of the draft are going to be there in the future. I bet the Pro Bowl goes back there in the, in the future for a, a year or Something two. Something has to go back to yeah. Hawaii because I think there's, uh, there's a lot of draw for the players. Sure. And not to say that there's anything wrong with Orlando for the Pro Bowl, but it just seemed like a lot more players were headed to Honolulu yeah, every year naturally. versus that. All right, so that's your preseason schedule. Is there any particular game you guys are looking forward to? I know Johnny... You said Wisconsin, going up to Wisconsin. I, I mean, I like seeing the NFC teams just because we don't get to see them every year. So I like seeing I like seeing the NFC teams, and we've got four of them. So, um, you know, being at Lambeau is is great. I mean, I I just I love Lambeau. I always have. I mean, I was a little kid going to going to games in Green Bay, kind of like JJ was many many years ago. But seeing the NFC teams to me, I I like, and I I like the fact that um, uh, you know we'll get to see Dallas in Week Three. So maybe we'll see Dak a little bit. I would imagine we're not going to see them too much. I would imagine we won't see Zeke too much. But anytime, look, anytime Houston and Dallas get together, and I, as much as I loved the atmosphere in our game last year, I like going up to Jerry World for games. I like I like that building. I like being up there. I uh, agree. I, I mean that the video board is is tremendous. Just being above you. I mean, I just I like being in in Arlington for games. I I've never. I have never not liked going to Dallas for a game against the Cowboys. Drew and I have this thing that we do whenever we get to a new press box. We give a, a critique of the press box, sort of like a movie yeah. review, if you will. We're like, oh, good desk space, chairs are at a, <laughs> at a nice height. No, no, yeah. no. Could have used it's some like, storage for like my bag. one of those HGTV shows where <laughs> we basically have a breakdown like, I like the spaciousness, the light. Why don't y'all video this? <laughs> yeah, we should. The we view, should the view could be a little bit better. It's a slight, it's slightly obstructed because of the yeah. window panes in front of us. But yeah. other than that, yeah, we 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 do. We sh- we actually should because it's very technical. And I didn't even notice that we did that until Drew pointed out last year. And I was like, wow, we are such press box nerds. All right, we're gonna take a break. Speaking of nerds, Drew's got his mock draft survey. I didn't know else how else to transition that. That's it's coming our, up. It's our our it's mock mine. draft sur- survey, and maybe Johnny might be doing something like this too. I think he's gonna dab in these arts. I'm going to find out. and then Maybe we're not. Go. I won't do the survey. I'll just do my own mock draft so Drew can add it to the list. Oh, okay. All right. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Also, we'll go around the league. And, hey, what do you expect next week when the players arrive? That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access inside the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Drew Doherty, John Harris, and myself, D.P. Sidhu. Uh, we are two weeks away from the 2019 NFL draft in Nashville. Drew, you usually go to the draft. I do, you? yeah. You're going this going year? Going to Nashville, yes. It's going to be fun. Oh, and you'll see DeAndre Hopkins there because he's actually yeah. announcing the second-round pick. That's right. Yeah, J- uh, Andre Johnson announced the second-rounder a couple years ago. Brian Cushing did the third-rounder, I believe it was. So, yeah, pretty pretty fun turn of events. I can't wait. Yeah, it's the 100th anniversary of the NFL, so they're they're involving more current players as well as – uh, former legends, greats, yeah. legends, they call them, uh, in the NFL draft. So they'll be there actually all week in community events and mentoring the younger players. I think that'll be a lot of fun to see. And I'm curious to see how Nashville puts on a draft. I feel like 
they'll do it really well. Everything's pretty centrally located. Yeah, I bet they'll do yeah. a great job. It's it's right there downtown, right across the you river can see from the, the stadium. You can see yeah. the stadium. It'll be fun. From uh, from the, what is that, Broadway? Broadway Street? Yeah, Broadway. In, in Nashville. All right, uh, with the draft coming up, I know, Drew, you put out a mock draft survey, which is sort of a collection of what everyone is saying, uh, who the Texans are going to take. And I know Johnny may be adding to that. Yeah, I can't we'll wait. T- You're going to start doing a mock draft, so that'll be yeah. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm this is your first 1.0 ever. Ever, yeah. And I mean, for a, for us, you've done it for other outlets. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. There was something about I didn't do it for a long time. I had done it for other outlets. I wasn't totally comfortable doing it. And then the other day, I woke up and I just went, "Wait a second. Mark Vandermeer has been doing Vandermock for years. Why couldn't I do a mock draft?" So I just <laughs> at that point decided I was going to do mock draft. So I'll be working on it. And the thing is, you know, people. People listen and hear that about mock drafts, and they go, oh, these people just throw it together. And it's like, if you really do it right, like, it takes me more time to do a mock draft than anything. It'll take me eight to ten hours. Really? Because I'll I'll look back at some of my notes of teams that I've watched. I'll look back at some of the players, and then I'll look at rosters. I'll look at contracts. Like, okay, is this guy – so there's a lot of things that really go into it. So it takes a while to put it together. But I'm going to crank through, and hopefully by the end of this week, beginning of next, have my mock draft, which I can add to it. And – Look, I think a lot of the names that that we would we would think and have heard in that mock draft survey, I think there's a possibility for some of those some of those names being there. But you know, draft night gets gets crazy. All of a sudden, a couple of drafted guys go ahead of you, and you're like, "Wait a second, these other couple of guys are going to be down there. I would have put him on a mock draft if I'd have known that was going to be the case." So, uh, being at 23, it's kind of a it's not surprising that it's all over the place. I think one thing to emphasize, though. And, and we've talked about this. I know the, the three of us have, whether you know, on, on my shows, talking about the draft is I know that a lot of people have put offensive linemen. I know a lot of people have said, you know, hey, you've got to get an offensive lineman. But a lot of people are saying, oh, you've got to get an offensive lineman in the first round. You've got to get one in the first round or it's a, it's a button. Like, no, 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 wait a second. This team doesn't have just a hole. It's got a couple of places where you've got to be able to find uh, capable players. And we talked about cornerback. We've talked about tackle. Those well, right, two. I was going to say, those are the two, though, right, Those Johnny? are the two, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I'd be surprised if it's something if else, but it's those first three two rounds without sure. picking, picking something from one of yeah, those two. Yeah, absolutely, but that's the thing. You In the first round, obviously you've got to find a player. There's no question when you have a financial commitment in the first round, just a first rounder, that guy's got to hit. So you've got to find a player. And this is the point. If You know, a few years ago when they when they took Dwayne Brown, one of my, one of my issues with it was you drafted for need – and at that point, you drafted a guy that I, I felt like at the time, Dwayne was not he was not of a caliber of some of the other guys that were taking the first round. Now, obviously, we talked about that, and I was wrong about it. But they they didn't draft the best available player at a position of need. At least I didn't think so. That, I think, is what they've got to do at 23, and I think the Texans will do that because I think finding the best position or the best player available at a position of need will take you to either tackle or corner. And I don't think that you'll have a run on both positions before 23. And what I mean by that is there will be a tackle that you really like or there will be a corner that you really Still like. Still sitting there at 23. Still sitting there at 23. Sure. You're not locked into taking the fifth tackle just because you have to take a tackle in the first round. I really get tired of hearing that. But, John, you got to improve the offensive line. I understand. But if the guys that you have first-round grades on are gone, you're going to go draft a guy at 23 that you have a second-round grade on? 
just because you have to have one. The Texans have ne- they don't need to get in that business. The teams that do that are the ones that end up getting in a lot of trouble down the road. So you got to find the the best player available at a position where you need it. And I think it's tackle or corner. But if the best corner on the board is still on the board at 23, you still need help there. Go do that and go get a couple tackles in 54-55. I wouldn't have any problem with them taking a corner in the first round, taking two tackles at 54-55. No problem. Or two offensive linemen at 54 I don't think anybody would have a problem no with that. No problem with that. Oh, All right, with that. You'd get some. You get, you'll get some. That's true. There's fans, always, always going to be yeah, people. Yeah, there's there's there were people booing J.J. Watt. So. Yeah, because of what he just described, there's, the, there's a thought out there by some that, you have to take this offensive line. That's what he's talking about, and that's what—that's who would get mad. Yeah, that but if you scenario. take two, you if you take two in the second round, you don't take one then, in the first, and saying, then there, back there to people, back. In there the are second. people who are—it's first round or bust, right? And they will be furious. Yep. I mean, I'm like that. I, I'm very, yeah. I'm very draft, like, I'm very yeah. like zero to hundred all the time. But even I would be, I would be okay with if there was a position that I really wanted. You didn't address it in the first, but then you double down and addressed yeah. it in the second. And I'm not even saying you I'd have be like, to double right, down. I'm not even saying you have to not double, double down, down in the but second, I mean you, but you really address it. I feel like you fail in a draft where you don't try and match up a player's value as your board sees it, as your no, staff sees it, and you then say, okay, well, we've got to go get this guy because we, we have to go get him now because, well, there's a run on tackles or there's a run on corners or whatever the case might be. And – and I don't expect the Texas to trade up to, from 23. I just don't expect them to do that. So I think they're in a good spot from that perspective because I don't think there will be a run on either position. I think you're going to see a run on a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, you're going to see the quarterbacks. I think there's going to be there's going to be some uh, a thought on the quarterbacks going ahead. So hopefully that just pushes guys down. And all we need for one or two teams that you think might be looking at tackle to pass because, oh, wait a second – Minnesota Vikings are saying, hey, we need to tackle. We need to tackle badly. But you know what? This defensive lineman's on the board, and we we would like to have one. Or there's a corner on the board the Vikings want because they're not happy with Xavier Rhodes, and they don't like Trey Waynes on the other side. And they decide to get a corner. So that's all you need is just one or two teams to pass on a tackle because you know they all don't need them. So at that point, if you can just get one or two, then all of a sudden, man, you get everything you want at that point. But I don't think there will be a run of both positions. So, to me, whichever is the best player available, according to them, at 23 at one of those positions, I think fits. Now, if they go and draft a tight end at 23, then it's like, okay, we they, they went and got the best player available, but it's it's a shock because it's a shock they drafted two tight ends last the, year. And like, there okay. have been mocks with, with, uh, with the yeah. tight ends taken. And, and All right, no so question. speaking of which, we've got the latest mock draft out. Drew, it seems like the consensus in the first round among people across the nation, media types, is still offensive lineman, correct? Yes, yeah. 49 mock drafts we surveyed, and 39 of them have the Texans taking an offensive lineman. 14 of them have them taken Andre Dillard from Washington State. So this is the most he's been mocked to the Texans at any point. Uh, big number there. But uh, it's, it's just kind of an interesting exercise doing this and compiling them each week because you see sort of what the national and some of the local uh, folks think about what the Texans are going to do in the draft. And then you compare it with what you hear in the building and and stuff like that, and it's just it's really fascinating. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait because the Texans are in a prime spot yep. with three picks in the top fifty-five. They're gonna. I think they're. I think they're gonna add more picks. I, I'm. I. I think it's gonna be a fun weekend, and they're gonna get a lot better because Brian Gain and this the staff what they did last year without a first, without a second, and what they were able to do. I can't wait to see what they do when they have ammo like they have now. Well, here's another one, Drew, that I, I – in fact, I saw this today, and I was like – because there's a lot of talk about – and I've talked to Mark about this. I said, you know, we should move our draft party 
to Friday. And I'm not talking about just this year. We should do it all years. Day of around two and three. Right. The, the day of, uh, yeah, because we always will take a pick in the second and third round. Always. But you're sitting there at 23. If there does happen to be a run on corners and tackles at that point, and you're going, man, are we going to draft a guy that we think ultimately could be a guard? Do we really have a high grade on this player? And what if they trade out of the first round? And I, and I saw something today that said, well, why would the Texans want to trade out? I mean, they've got four picks in the top 86. Yeah, but why wouldn't you want five picks in the top 86? Why wouldn't you want six picks in the top 100? You don't have a fourth rounder. And a first next year. Yeah, so from that perspective, you can always, you can always take more picks. I mean, the more at-bats you get, if you're a good hitter, you're going to have an opportunity to go out there and hit more than singles and doubles if you get more opportunities. And think about last year how they drafted without a first or second rounder. When Brian Gain was given some at-bats, he did a pretty good job with it. So I'm like, hey, look, if we get more opportunities by trading down, maybe people at the draft party upset, but maybe you, and maybe you only trade down five spots. Maybe there's a team that really has their eye on somebody that's there at 23. Maybe you only trade down five spots, but – you at least pick up other picks. I'm with Drew. I do think there's going to be a trade down opportunity where they do pick up more picks, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and get an additional fourth rounder, hmm. um, the fourth rounder they get for Demarius Thomas. They try and get that fourth rounder back in some way, shape, or form, just to have that, you know, complete one through seven draft. I liked Andre Dillard. I remember seeing him at the combine. If if that's who the Texans end up taking, I really uh, thought that after the combine he was going to be. Everyone was saying top fifteen pick. So if if he's sitting around at twenty three and people are right. I'm not going to complain about that. And uh, he gained a lot of weight when he was at Washington State. I remember him talking about how he would get up in the middle of the night, eat a lot, and then he would set an alarm for 2 in the morning, eat again, or drink a shake, and then go back to sleep. Ooh, and he put bad on... for your sleep habits, though. No, but he, uh, he, st- he started at 240 pounds when he arrived at Washington State and then was like close to 300 or a little over 300. I'm not really sure what, what, he, what he was at uh, towards the end of that, but it clearly worked for him. So... All right, so that's the mock draft survey. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. You'll probably do one more probably, right? Oh, yeah. We might even do two. Maybe even two more. All right, and then Johnny's Johnny's mock draft. My mock draft, draft, I'm working on it, so I've got to make sure that I get that at the end of this week or beginning of next. All right, we're going to go around the league, a little bit of gossip about who's traveling where in these pre-draft days, plus a surprising injury that took place in the NFL last year that a lot of people don't know about. And then also players are back in the building on Monday, what does John Harris expect to see, or what does he hope to see? That's all coming up in one final segment of Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access. John Harris joins me once again as we roll on through this offseason show. Preseason dates were announced today. Um, preseason games, sorry, not the dates. Preseason schedules out on HoustonTexans.com. Uh, week one at Green Bay. Week two home versus the Detroit Lions. Week three at Dallas. And week four home versus the L.A. Rams. We're going to have some videos and some reactions on that all up on HoustonTexans.com. All right, Johnny, there's some news around the league uh, with uh, all these draft prospects traveling around. I don't know if this is a surprise or not. You and I have discussed it at length. Kyler Murray, Mm -hmm. according to reports, in Arizona visiting the Cardinals today. Uh, He has the same agent, obviously, as head coach Cliff Kingsbury. It's been a hot topic for Arizona with the number one overall pick. Can we read something into this? Nah, or no? Nah, not really. I think everybody thought he was going to go uh, to Arizona to visit at some point, and this is that this is that time. So I don't know if there's anything. Uh, you know, some of the, it, it's interesting because some of the visits you go, 
that guy isn't going to get to number 25. Like I saw somebody today, and I can't remember who it was, was visiting with the Eagles. And, oh, uh, was Ed Oliver? It might have been Ed. I think it might have been Ed was visiting with the Eagles, I believe. I'm like, Ed's not getting to 25. So you sometimes wonder, like, why are these guys taking a visit? So sometimes I think a little bit much is made of the visits to, to a degree. But with Kyler, with being a number one pick, I, I mean, we knew he was going to take a visit to to uh, uh, Arizona. He met with the Raiders at some point. I think he met with the Raiders actually in his home uh, in Allen, just out, uh, in the Metroplex. So, it's not surprising in some sense that they would like him, that they're interested in him, and they probably want to sit down with him and get a little bit deeper involved into into, into football, just going up on the whiteboard, just talking about some of the things that they were doing in Oklahoma. And look, that's the other aspect too. Some of the, some of the offensive stuff that you want to learn. I wouldn't be surprised if coaches throughout the league are like, hey, invite that kid from Oklahoma so we can learn their offense, you know? Uh-huh. So they want to learn some I was going to say, I'm sure it, it goes both ways. Like, the coaches want to get to know the player because you yeah. never know with how fluid coaching is these days. No doubt. A coach could be a head coach somewhere no else next year. Doubt. Ed Oliver could be there. No doubt. And then also, same thing with the players. I would think, like, much much like a job interview, and I don't know if players treat this this way, but I'm just wondering if they think, okay, I'll just vi- take as many visits as I can, and, uh, you know, you just – you just put those feelers out there. You never know what's going to happen on draft day, who's going to trade up or down. And then yep. also you just get more practice at understanding what these coaches are expecting of you in, in, in these interview situations. Yeah. No, you're right about that. This this league is so mobile, you have no idea who you're going to run into down the road. And at that point, if you're a coach, I think we'll, which which we found out reading the article by Ty Dunn and Bleacher Report, you never Ooh. know when it comes back to you. So. Don't go running your mouth about what you think is a better player than the other one because that other one might be a Hall of Fame player for you down the road, and that could create hard feelings uh, as it potentially did in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, don't Cliff Kingsbury start talking about how Kyler Murray is better than anybody else in this draft because you might end up coaching Drew Locke down the road. Just saying. Well, you know, he said when he you was asked know. about him at Texas Tech, he said it, and then. You know, here here he is. Yeah. In the NFL. Yeah. Thought. But, Nobody thought that and, Cliff and, Kingsbury would be coaching the NFL. Well, Cliff, did they? I mean, I, he I do, fired at Texas Tech. <laughs> I don't think anybody really thought this would actually be something. And I'm sure he didn't even think that it was going to be a possibility on the road either. No, but it, it's not surprising. I, I I would be surprised. But that just if, goes to show you how fluid it is. Yeah. The coaching situation. Look, in 2005, everybody thought the Texans were going to take Reggie Bush. I mean, it was a fait accompli, and then all of a sudden, the night before the draft, I think Berman breaks the news that. Nope, it's going to be Mario Williams, and he signed a contract, and, and things were a little different then before the CBA. But Mario signed a contract, he's going to be number one pick, so it was it was like, whoa. It was a little shocking. But the whole Josh Rosen thing, I think, has to get figured out what where he's going to go, what they're going to do with him, what they're going to get for him in a trade. I would imagine they're going to trade him. I don't know, keeping Rosen and Murray. It's happened before. I mean, we, we saw a 2012 Washington Redskins team that drafted – Robert Griffin the third and second pick overall, and then took Kirk Cousins in the fourth. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that Cousins ended up being the guy because of the injuries that RG3 had suffered. So I don't know what they'll end up doing with it. I think they probably need to have Josh out of the building to let Kyler come in and kind of take over and be the guy. But I would be mildly surprised. But then again, the draft over the years has taught me, DP, nothing, nothing, nothing shocks and surprises. I give a wow and a whoa, but I'm never surprised by anything. I think, I think a lot of it is you put out information or these things come out because there are people that want this information out. So maybe if like, say for, if for in this instance, and I'm just totally just spitballing here, Arizona wants this news out that uh, Kyler Murray is there for a visit because they want everyone to know that, hey, yep. 
Josh You're Rosen's exactly available right. for trade, and like, let's get the let's like, make that known so people start right. giving us their best offer. So that's their way of publicizing that without yep. directly publicizing it. I mean, if, when when the Texans had the number one overall pick, we saw a number of guys in this building. Oh yeah, I mean, we saw. I remember seeing Johnny Menzel and Jadavian Clowney in the cafeteria together. <laughs> that's crazy. Now, there's no way we were going to get both. There was no way. Yeah. But I think you know, it's due. It's partly due diligence, and and partly sometimes you just you know. It's it's a lot of smoke screens. It's more smoke screens than actual news. Well, you know, it sometimes you never know. I mean, if you think about it, you only get eight. Well, I mean, rounds one through seven, you get seven picks. A lot of times you have more than that because you made trade. Sometimes you have less than that. But last year the Texans had eight picks. They had eight players that they were bringing to this roster. But of the thousands of college football players out there, we only get eight of them. So there have probably been a lot of them over the years that we have offered visits to. Sure. That have come on a visit, that have enjoyed the visit. We have enjoyed the visit with them. We've had a great time with them. And they get taken before we get the opportunity to take them. But, you know, so right. there are also those that get brought here. And look, we know we're not ta- drafting you. You know, he knows they're not, we're not drafting him. But we're going to learn a little bit more about you. Why not? We'll do our due diligence because you know we didn't get a chance. You're an early. You you came out of you declared early, so we don't know a whole lot about you. And you know what? You're from the state of Texas, so let's talk to you. And you just right. do that to kind of have some. You know, you've done your due diligence, and you realize that guy's not a right fit for us. And that's the other thing too, figuring out who ends up being a right fit. In some cases, you might feel like you know we don't think this guy's the right fit. You like him as a player, like you like some of the things he does on the field, but then. You've heard, you know, he's a little different. You don't like, you're not totally sure whether he's going to be a Texans kind of guy. So you bring him in for a visit, and you see. And I think a perfect example of that was Marcus Peters. And I've heard this story over the years that when Marcus Peters came here, he sat down in a meeting um, with, with, a, with an individual here that was doing a draft report and, and, started, and asked him a question. And Marcus Peters apparently said, you already know. Mm. And so that usually doesn't go over very well. In Peter's at, so <laughs> so ever was asked the next question, and Peter's was like he pointed at his stack of papers in front of him. He said, "You already know." Minute, I think a minute had gone by. Guy walked out and said, "All right, we're done with this interview here," and that was it. You get a very good sense of a guy because also once Absolutely. once the rookie and you knew at that point he was never going to be a Texan. Well, once the rookie contracts are up, which happens a lot faster than you think, those guys become available Absolutely. again, and you can't really talk to them the same way that you can. So this is this may be your one opportunity. You're dead on. You're de- and I think a lot of teams end up doing doing For that future reference. There's no question because you know you know that gets that free agency situation. Hey, we met with that guy three four years ago. We really liked him three or four years ago, but we weren't able to draft him. But we really liked him. And we've seen him grow in the game, and absolutely, the I think game, that the, game fu- film the future is, part right. of this is huge. The There's future no part doubt. is huge because the film is always there. It's the personality. I think sometimes that's just got to be a right fit for a coach, no doubt, for a team, for a locker room. I, you know, my my point to this all was that there's so many players that we've drafted over the years that we've asked them. So, were you surprised when the Texans yep. drafted you? And it's astounding to me how many of them say yes. I was yeah. surprised because I didn't really think they were interested. I just talked to them briefly, and then after that, I didn't really know. So you know, I think that they they it kind of goes both ways, doesn't it, Johnny? In some sense, I'm gonna tell you the story. This is pretty funny. My buddy's my buddy's an agent, um, and he is representing a, a player at a university. It's a local university, and so his player is really kind of a relative unknown. He played receiver for two, three years, and then they moved him to the outside linebacker, pass rusher, 
his final year. And he had a good year. He had a good year. I mean, it's Zoli's first one to ever play defense. So he had a good year, but not one where you would go, oh, and he's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. And so he had his pro day, and there were about, there were probably about 10 to 12 teams represented. And so my buddy decided to film him running the 40. And I could tell, because he showed me the video, and he's, I'm like, boy, he's flying. He eventually ran at, you know, a pretty good outside linebacker weight. He ran 4-4, and on some watches he ran 4-3. Mm. One of the scouts watching, Indianapolis Colts scout watching, you can see they're all at the 40-yard line. They all got their stopwatches. And he stops it, he looks at it, and then he puts it down and hides it. As if to say, <laughs> I don't want <laughs> anyone, anyone to, know ran. to know what he ran. And he wasn't the only one. There were like two or three others that looked at their watches and were like, and they kind of hid them. They didn't want anybody to see it. Because what happens at a pro day is all the scouts then get together and they start talking about it. And he looked at it and just put it down. But there's an official time that comes no. out. No. The, the school doesn't no. put one out? No. The, what the school puts out is what the scouts come to agreement on. I see. Like they, they kind of go around, they're telling you, here's what I had him at this, I had him at this, I had him at this. I guarantee that scout was like, mm, I'm not seeing anything. Because they want to keep that stuff under wraps. Mm. And my guess is, as soon as he would have showed any excitement about that particular player, there are a couple other scouts going, hey, by the way, you know that player that we like at that particular school, I know they're going to like him too. And you can just, you can, But you try and keep that stuff under wraps because you just don't want that information getting out. Yeah. And that scout was like, look, for players at big universities, Alabama, Oklahoma, like that stuff's going to come out. Like, there's, you, can't, you can't hide that. But when you're, you're going to places that are not the blue bloods in some sense – and you've got a little you know, diamond in the rough, if you will, you treat that stuff like the biggest secret you've ever got. You're sitting over there like you're playing poker, and you're like, oh, you know, but you're trying not to show <laughs> your bluffing. poker face, you know? And it'll be interesting to see if that team ends up um, – the couple of teams that were kind of hiding were like, all right, we're really high on that guy. Uh, we'd like to have that guy. And I've heard through the rumor mill, unfortunately, that uh, the Colts are interested, uh, which would sort of stink uh, pretty badly. But – it just goes to show there are some teams that are doing all this for smokescreen, but when they get some when they get some true information, boy, they're hiding that and keeping that from everybody. So the stuff that gets out, for the most part, that's either coming from agents, the players themselves, or the agents and the players themselves, because it's not coming from the teams. If the teams are putting it out there, then more than likely it is they're not they're not excited about that particular player. All right, I teased this before the break: an injury that happened last year that may be even more impressive now that it's out. Uh, we were talking about the Tyler Dunn story, Aaron Rodgers and Mike yep. McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers last year started all 16 games. Remember week one against the Bears, he left yep. the game early, comes back, mounts his tremendous comeback, didn't miss an, another game the rest of the year. Yep. Well, the injury that he played with in all 16 games last year, on Monday he told ESPN Milwaukee, uh, a radio show, that the knee injury was actually a tibial plateau fracture and an MCL sprain. And I thought, tibial Plateau fracture is the exact same thing that J.J. Watt had. Yes. And yes. he looked to be in excruciating pain. Now, I, I'm sure there's varying degrees of yeah, this, yeah, yeah. obviously. But uh, he played with that injury all year until week 17 when he suffered a concussion versus the Lions. Now, how impressive is that, that he played with all that? And 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 wake of the story that you alluded to earlier. I don't yeah. know if people had a chance to read it or not. He says uh, he's dismissed all of that as just uh, – 
Well, Wait. I think he was, you know, Rodgers was pretty upset Smear because it's the same two guys that, that, according to him, Greg Jennings and uh, Jermichael Finley, that have said that about Aaron Rodgers for, for a long time. It's been those two guys quoted. Now, those are the only two guys that have said anything. And you know how it is the world that we live in. You know, how many things are like, you know, we hear, but we can never say. And if you're a reporter, like, hey, don't use that. You know, what if I use, what if I use that information anonymously? So it, it's kind of tricky, but. Just on that note alone, him playing with that, when I think about a quarterback and I think about driving the football and and throwing the football, the use of your legs, I mean, being able to drive it and throw it the way that he does with an injury in either one of those legs, I, it's it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing. I mean, he's got, he's got one of the strongest, not the strongest arm in the NFL, and to be able to drive the football like he was still doing, it's funny because the other day I actually watched the Packers and Jets game. I was actually watching it more for the Jets because thinking about what they're going to do with number three in the draft, so I'm kind of starting to think about team needs and watching the game just to see what they looked like the week after we had I think it was the week after we played them, and just see what Sam Darnold, you know, how he impressed. So I was watching more of the Jets, but the game was so good, I kind of got locked into watching Rodgers and mm-hmm. some of the throws he's making, and I'm like, my gosh. And I heard that news, and I thought back to watching that game, because that was week six. I think. I think it was week 16 or week 17. One I should have looked up what his numbers were for the season because oh obviously my gosh. They, they, didn't, they didn't have a, a winning record. No, they, they didn't and they were kind of all over the place with a number of different things and, and Aaron was not Aaron was not great in 2018. He was not he was not great. Not like he has such, set such a standard for himself that it's tough to get it's tough the, to get there. The fact that he played through this injury, which he could have done some, he could have done some long-term damage yeah. to himself doing that, but you know, that just shows even when he came back in week one against the Bears for that comeback win, I just couldn't I couldn't believe it. He couldn't put any weight on his leg in that game. He just stood back there and was flicking it. I mean, he literally was flicking it 30 and 40 yards and putting it on a dime. So I was I was surprised when I saw that. But then again, DP, we're around these guys a lot. We see them in weeks 15, 16, 17. Like, we see them at the end of the year. Right. And there are some dudes that when we, when we see them on Wednesday, when they get back here in the locker room, after winning, you know, they see you Wednesday thing, and we see them on Wednesday. And if you if you would tell me at that point, hey, this guy's going to play on Sunday, like I wouldn't believe you. I'm like, there's no way. That guy can't Some, play. Sometimes it's a question that mark because uh, the injury report towards the end of the year is so long. And yeah. not just for the Texans. I mean, and for it both teams. It doesn't tell everything that these guys are, are dealing with think, either. Yeah, you think, oh, maybe they're questionable because they need, they need a little bit of a, you know, Less reps, right? As the right. season goes on, like with a JJ or you know, obviously Deshaun's going to play, right? Uh, but you know, DeAndre. I mean, how much did DeAndre practice the last fifteen weeks of I mean, the year? I, I don't know that he practiced at all. I didn't think he was going to play those. Uh, what was it, Philly against Philly? Yeah, he was. I mean, he didn't warm up. He didn't practice that he whole week. He came out super late, even for warm ups, and you know, he was listed with the ankle. Still came out and played. Still had a had a had a good game considering everything right. that he was going through. But yeah, these guys game. are competitors. Oh my gosh! All right. Speaking of which, all these guys will be back in the building for voluntary OTA, voluntary offseason workouts on Monday. I can't believe this nine week program is already upon us, Johnny. What are your top three things that you want to see in this nine week program? I know you're as excited as we all are <laughs> to see these guys is, back in the building. I know what number one is, but it ain't, I don't think it's going to happen. I'd love to see Jadavion Clowney because I just want to see him here long term. Um, that would be number one, but I, that's, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. But, you know, I think for the, just for the conditioning period, it's just to be able to get everybody back here, see who's in shape. We've already seen some of the guys here. In fact, I've seen a bunch of the offensive linemen here uh, in the lunchroom this week. So, 
I think just guys coming back, hopefully healthy. I'm, I'm curious to see what Deontay Foreman looks like because the videos look damn good. Well, I was going to say he's number one on my list because we he did not see good. him this time last year, and we barely saw him in practice mm-hmm. uh, even towards the end of the year when he was playing. So I'm excited right. to see what he looks like out on the field. Very excited about that. Um, I, and I think the other, the other one is just what's the progress of rookies to second-year guys? So mm. the Justin Reed class, so last year's rookie class. How has that? How does that group look versus what they look like as rookies? Now, when they come in here as rookies, they've been training for the combine, so they're in pretty good shape for the most part. Now, some guys as rookies, I think Jalen Strong was one of them. They went to the combine, and then Jalen was banged up, had surgery, and then he never got himself back in shape until the very end of that first year in 2015. But I want to see what the second-year guys, how they look and what their confidence level is because – that changes everything. That second year, you know the system. You know where you're supposed to go. You know, some of those guys have been around. I talked to big baby Jordan uh, Thomas the other day and saw him, and, you know, he looks he looks tremendous. But it's just a matter of the confidence level those guys now have, you know, coming to. So, from that perspective, I would think Deontay Foreman, he looks like. I'd love to see J.D. here, but I don't think he's going to be here, uh, which is okay. Look, as Bill Bryan will say that day, they're voluntary. They're voluntary. Keep that in mind. They're voluntary. voluntary. And that's Monday, players back in the building. And Tuesday, we have a special edition of Texans All Access. We will be at Fuddruckers with Cecil Shorts. That's actually the day that a lot of the players will be speaking at the podium. We'll have lots more to talk about. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. For Drew Doherty, John Harris, I'm DPC. Thanks so much for listening, and go Texans.